Everybody, how are we doing today? Yeah. Happy Father's Day to everyone here. Obviously, it's a very, very special day, and we're looking forward to diving into what the Lord may be saying to us as fathers and, and how to honor our fathers. But before we do, how many of you appreciate our worship team every week coming up here, leading us? We have, and you might know this and you may not know this, but we have a world-class worship department at Victory World Church. We really do, and uh, they're amazing, and they pray and seek God every single week. It's not just songs that they're singing. They're the truths that we're declaring, uh, and we're leading the whole congregation into a place, uh, into God's presence to experience Him in a very powerful way, and uh, with every church, there is a sound. It's called the voice of that church, and every church has it. And uh, so you've listened to some people, you'll listen to Hillsong or you listen to Elevation Church. There's a certain sound that kind of comes from that house. And there is a sound that comes from this house. And uh, oftentimes we're singing songs that are original to this house. And we hear the question often, hey, uh, where can I get that song? I want to put that song in my playlist. How did, where do I find that? And uh, the answer is you can't. <laughs> And uh, we want to change that uh, because uh, we write some really good songs here at Victory. Our team does. And uh, this Tuesday night, we're going to do something about the fact that you can't find it. And that is we're going to do our first recording, live worship recording, since 2011 here at Victory. Come on. And here's what's important. <clears throat> the people that lead worship are oftentimes very instrumental in creating the sound, but they're not the only ones that create the sound. The sound of the house is not just the singers and musicians on the platform. The sound of the house is the sound of the house. It's the congregation and the worship teams. And so one of the things that's important at a live recording is that we get the sound of the house in the house. Meaning, we need you to show up and help us record this album. And here's why it's important for you to come, because your voice matters, and your voice helps create the Victory House worship sound. And so you're very important. So I want to encourage you, Tuesday night at 7 o'clock, uh, we have to go to this website and register. So take your phones out, take a picture of it, victoryhouseworship.com. The reason we're registering is we have limited seating, but we want the house full. We want everybody, every chair in that room filled uh, so that we can truly reflect not just the musicianship and the songwriting of the house, but so we can reflect the voice of the whole house. And so uh, I want to encourage you to come be a part of that. Uh, it's going to be a very, very special night. We won't get to do that very often, but when we do, it's very, very special. So I know the songs that are going on this album, and they are fantastic. We're going to have an incredible time. So here's the thing. Every campus is being invited but of course, I want Hamilton Bill to be the most represented. Amen? So here's what I'm told. You really can't have favorite campuses. I'm like, well, mm. You know, people go, you know, God doesn't have favorites. I've gotten a lot of things mixed up in my life. But one thing I've never gotten mixed up is I'm not God. And so I go, I'm not God. I have favorites. And uh, Hamilton Mill happens to be my favorite. So uh, let's come and represent and, and support uh, Alvy and Jeremy and our worship team. Several of our team members that were up here today are going to be a part of that recording. So please make it a point. 7 o'clock, Tuesday night. It's going to be a very special night. All right, let's take our Bibles and open up to Ephesians chapter 6. <clears throat> today is we're starting a new series called Dear Church. And today's message is called Honor Your Father. And uh, one of the things that um, Pastor um, Chad referred to a moment ago was uh, Sunday fun days are starting next week. 
And not only are Sunday fun day starting next week, we are starting, we're jumping in the series today, but we're going to continue over the next five weeks. And one of the things that uh, has been very important to this house has been reaching the next generation. It's a very important thing in this house. It was um, very important to Dennis, and now it's also important to Pastor Johnson to reach the next generation. But sometimes in our efforts to reach the next generation, we forget the last generation. And whose shoulders we stand on. And we need to remember the, the generation that comes before us. And so one of the things as we were praying and seeking the Lord about uh, series for the church. Uh, one of the things that was really deep in Pastor Johnson's heart is he goes, I want our church to hear from some of the fathers in the faith. Modern day fathers in the faith. Men who have, who have uh, come through the test of time, who have walked through the fire and made it through the other side. Men who have gray hair, the crown of wisdom on their head, and have a little bit of understanding about how to stand in the midst of difficulty. Kind of reminds me of Paul speaking to Timothy as he writes to him from the prison as be right before he, he is going to lose his life for the gospel. And he could have told Timothy in that moment, he could have said, Timothy, shrink back. Go back and be with your mom. You're going to die out here. It's okay. But instead, Paul writes to Timothy and he says, preach the truth. Stand firm. Stir the gift up, Timothy. That's what we're going to hear from these men. Men who know how to stand in the modern day where we are seeing a church that's a little bit anemic. And they're going to be able to stand and challenge us this summer. To remember the great things of God and to never shrink back from them. And that it's that kind of faith that will lead us into the future. It's knowing that God has gone before us and prepared a way. That comfort is not our, is not our goal. It's not our end. It's not the sign of blessing. But fulfilling the purpose and the will of God brings the greatest blessing in our lives. And so we have some incredible men coming to speak uh, over the summer. Some that you know, but there will be some new voices to victory. And I just want to encourage you to not miss a week. Don't miss a week. But come every week. Bring your friends. Bring your family. Oftentimes, summertime is a time where we kind of take our walk with God and we slow down a little bit. We, we take vacation from God. And I want to encourage you to make this summer a summer of growth. Where I'm going to press in. I'm going to hear God. I'm going to lead my family uh, in the ways of God. And we're going to come and, and participate and learn and grow and strengthen our hearts. Amen? All right. That had nothing to do with the message. Here we go. Uh, we're going to talk about honoring our fathers today. And I just wanted to start with this verse. Um, and just I'm just going to read it. You don't need to turn to it. It's not going to be on the screen. It's a very, very powerful verse that we read uh, Paul writing uh, to the Romans, and he says this, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with, Jesus, and with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. We are children of God. And today we're going to talk about what it looks like to honor our father. Not just our earthly father, but also our heavenly father. I don't know if you know this or not. I'm sure you do. But uh, fatherhood is a very, very important role in our society. Sometimes we don't see it as a role in society. We see it as a role in a family. And it is a role in the family, that's for sure. But the impacts of fathering are all through our society, whether they're fathered well or whether we're not fathered well. And in America, we are in a, in an, um, in a crisis. And our crisis is linked a lot to fatherhood. You see, the enemy knows this. That the fall of every great nation begins with the fall of the family. And if he can win the family, if he can destroy the family, he can destroy the nation. And here's what we're in jeopardy of in America. We're on a fast track to destruction. And it's starting at every single address in every single neighborhood. 
where the enemy has come against the family. There is a war against the family. It's not just this light little attack against the family. It is a full-on assault against the family. What does it look like to be a family? We're trying to redefine marriage. We're trying to redefine all kinds of different things that aren't ours to define. God defines those things. But those things are under attack every single day in our nation. There's a crisis that the U.S. Census Bureau uh, give us some statistics on. It says that 18.3 million children, that's one in four, live without a biological step or adopted father in the home. Consequently, there is a father factor in nearly all of the society, societal ills facing America today. Research shows when a child is raised in a father-absent home, he or she is affected in the following ways. And I'm going to let you see them. I'm not going to go through them all, but I'll go cover a few of them. That girls are seven times more likely to become pregnant as teens. Therefore, there is a boy attached to that. That there are behavioral problems. That there is substance abuse. Drugs and alcohol. That two times... people are. Kids are two times more likely to drop out of high school. Crime, more likely to com they're more likely to commit crimes. We're seeing this. If you just watch the news, you're seeing the impact of the fatherless homes in America. We're seeing them every single day right before our eyes. Well, this is not new. This is not new to us. It's not new to, the, to society. It's not new to this world. In fact, the Apostle Paul is addressing this issue in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, where he, spit, where he says this, in, starting in verse 15, he says, For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I become a father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I urge you then by, uh, be imitators of me. He goes on again in, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, where he says, Be imitators of me. As I imitate Christ. Be imitators of me. In other words, what he's saying here in 1 Corinthians 4 is, you have a lot of people that can tell you what to do. These instructors or these people who can guide you, they're, they're, like, they're referred to in the scripture as school teachers. So in other words, they make sure that you do this and don't do that. and It's all about what you do and don't do. But what Paul is saying is this. You don't have many people that you can imitate in your life. You don't have many fathers. You don't have many people who have gone before you and shown you the way. You don't have many people who you can reflect on and follow their example. But he's telling, he's telling the Corinthian church, follow me as I follow Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. I'm, and he goes on to say in this same chapter, I'm not going to be with you all the time, but I'm going to send you Timothy, who is one that I've instructed to... Take what he's learned from me and give it to you, to share it with you. Why? Because I want you to be imitators of me as I am of Christ. And so fathers show us the way. They show us the way. And so we're going to be doing this series, and that's the heart of this series uh, called um, Dear Church. Sorry, <laughs> forgot. I'm the third message. I forgot what I have said and haven't said. Uh, it's called Dear Church because it's going to be these fathers in the faith speaking to the church, cheering us on and giving us direction for the future. But today we're celebrating our earthly fathers. And to celebrate our earthly fathers is a very, very important thing. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 6, if you'll turn over there, we'll start with verse 1. It says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. That it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. So we are being instructed here to honor our fathers and our mothers. Children are told to obey their parents. But once we become adults, we don't obey our, par we don't obey our parents. We honor our mother and father. We honor them. And so what does it mean to honor them? It simply means to prize highly, to show respect, 
to glorify and exalt. So what God is saying, this is actually in, in Ephesians 6, is a, is a quote from Exodus chapter 20, when the, the, the uh, Ten Commandments. When God gave Moses the Ten Commandments, and what he was saying is, here's my heart. When you honor your father and your mother, it will go well with you. It will go well with you. Here's the heart of God. I want it to go well with you. I want it to go well with you. And when, you, when it goes well with you and you honor your parents, you're going to live long in the land that I've provided for you. That's what he was saying to the children of Israel. I want it to go well with you, and I want you to enjoy this land that you have been traveling to, that flows with milk and honey, that is full of the promises of God. I want you to enjoy that land for a really long time. That's the heart of God for us. So when we're honoring our parents, we're setting our hearts up to do so. So here's the thing. Why is it important to honor our fathers? Why is it important? Why would God ask us to do it? Why would, he, why would he not only just ask us, but why would he command us? It's important for us. But here's what I want, I want to say before I go any further. There are some of you here today that Father's Day is a great day for you. You had great fathers. And today is a day that you celebrate and you think very fondly upon your father. But then there's also some of you here today who have been abandoned by your father. You've been abused by your father. You've been hurt by your father. You've been neglected by your father. Do I honor him? Yes. By honoring him, what we're not saying is that was okay, because it's not. It is not okay. It was wrong on every level. And here's what I, I just want to say this to you. I'm sorry if you've experienced that. I'm sorry. Some of you today, uh, it's a hard day. You've lost your father. You wish you could talk to him. Today's my first Father's Day without my father here. And there's a hole in my heart. There's something that just aches a little bit today. Wish I could talk to my dad. Some of you are there. Some of you have never met your dad. You don't have any relationship with him. And then there's a group of you that are fathers that did all the things I just said or did some of it. And the guilt and shame in which you carry is so heavy. So today, as I talk about this topic of honor, there are people that have difficulty honoring. There are people that have difficulty receiving honor because of things they've done. And so for some, it's good, and for some, it's difficult. But my hope today is that this message will be something that encourages all of us and, and strengthens every single one of us in here, no matter where we find ourselves. Because the ways of God always have blessing attached to them. They always do, even when they don't make sense to us. So why is it important to honor our fathers? The reason it's important to honor our fathers is firstly, it's a command from God. But it is a command, and it's the first command that has a blessing attached to it, that has promise attached to it. When we do, it will go well with you and you will live long. The second thing about this command is, there's no qualifier to it. In other words, he doesn't say, if your father is deserving of honor, honor him. It doesn't say that. It says, honor your father and your mother. It tells us to do so regardless of the condition in which our fathers may be in. Regardless of our relationship, we are told to honor our father. We're going to get to it in just a minute. How do we do that? Especially when we have some difficulty attached to it. But no matter what, how do we do it? So the first thing about honoring our father is it's a command. This is why it's important. The second reason it's important is because when we honor our father, it meets his deepest need and motivates him to do well. The deepest need in a man's heart is honor and respect. The deepest need in a woman's heart is to be cherished and loved. And the deepest need inside of a man is to be honored 
to be honored. To be honored by his family, to be honored by his friends. Honor is a man's mega need. It's a mega need inside of a man. And so here's what I want you to know. Men are fragile on the inside. Every man goes, shh, don't tell them. Every woman goes, really? Yes. We're fragile on the inside. And honor is a mega need of ours. It strengthens us. In fact, uh, how many of you women, you married the man of your dreams? When you married your husband, you were like, oh man, this dude right here, he is Awesome. Lord, we need to do a marriage conference. Stop. It's not Father's Day. Let's open our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5 and let's go up through that. How many of you ladies, you married the man of your dreams? How many after many, many years you go, he's still the man of my dreams? Fewer hands went up and some of them went up kind of slow. Well, how many of you ladies, I know you would never do this. But just in case, probably the lady next to you did. But how many of you, when you married this guy, you thought, he is awesome, but there's a couple little things? I'm going to fix those things. Yeah? We go, I'm going to fix that. He is amazing, and when he gets that done, he's going to be Prince Charming. Amen? Anybody? You go, I'm going to fix that joker right here. Yeah? Come on, raise your hands. It's okay. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. How's that going for you? How's that working right now? Not good. No. Why? Because we don't want to be fixed. We need to be honored. But I want to tell you something. When you honor him, there will be parts of him that say, I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better father. And they will, they will begin to see their own actions through this lens of when their wife and their children are honoring them, they're going, I know I'm falling short, but I don't want to fall short. And it encourages them to strengthen them to go forward. But here's what the scripture tells us. This is for the wives out there who have that little thing you want to fix in your husband. Here's a way to do it. I'm going to show you the scripture is clear about how to do it. Uh, 1 Peter 3, verses 1 and 2. It says, likewise, likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word. In other words, they're dirty, rotten scoundrels. They don't follow God. They don't know how to help you follow God. It says, they may be one without a word, but by the conduct of their wives. When they see your respectful and pure conduct. Can I tell you something? We can dismiss your words, but we cannot dismiss your actions. We're going to think about your actions. We're going to think about when we had a bad attitude and you treated us with honor and respect, how that feels, because we can't deny the feeling that comes with that. Nor are we a, a, a immune to that feeling. That's a feeling that softens our heart. That's a feeling that makes us want to love and respect our family and lead our families well. Criticism is a man's kryptonite, and honor is his oxygen. My friend Chris here, he's Superman. He loves Superman. He knows what kryptonite is. If he comes over to the Marvel world, we're not broken down like that. But anyway, criticism is kryptonite to the heart of a man. Criticism is kryptonite to anyone's heart. But honor is oxygen to his heart. It's like breathing life into his heart. Why? Because criticism wounds the spirit. Criticism wounds the spirit of a person. And it definitely wounds the spirit of a man. Now you go, well, what about, what about when I need to talk to him about something that he's doing that's bothering me? That is fine. That's called a complaint. A complaint and criticism are not the same thing. Criticism... Wounds and shames a person. It starts with these kind of statements. You are. Or if then statements. You are. If you are. Or were. Then dot dot dot. But complaints are a place where it dignifies a person. And it gives them the opportunity to grow. In other words it's a, it starts with this. When you do this. 
This is how it makes me feel, or this is the impact that it has on me and others. Here's what I need from you. Would you change this? Kind of goes like this. If Sherry said to me, you're a bad husband. I've not always been a great husband. I'm not sure I'm a great husband now. I'm just saying if she says to me, you're a bad husband. I'm going to ask the question, am I all bad? Is every part of me bad? That's a, that's a criticism. You are a bad husband. It's pronouncing onto someone what they are. And I can, I can feel nothing but shame and hurt when that kind of statement comes. And I can't do anything to rectify that. But if she says to me, hey, when you speak to me with that tone of voice, that hurts my feelings. And it makes me feel unloved or uncared for, or not cherished. Oh, I can change that. I'm not all bad, but when I speak with that tone, it communicates a message that's not true about my heart. I can change that. And so, criticism wounds, but complaints dignify and help the person grow. Honor, when deserved or undeserved, motivates a man to do better and to be better. When we honor our fathers, we are meeting one of his greatest needs. So why is it important? It's a command and it meets our father's greatest needs. But here's two things for us to remember. We have two fathers in the midst of this. We have an earthly father and we have a heavenly father. And our, our heavenly father, when, when Jesus and the Sermon of the Mount began to refer to God as father, it was a game changer. It was a transformational statement in his message called Sermon on the Mount. It was when he was first preaching, the very first message that he preaches, he preaches it uh, it's called Sermon on the Mount. It's Matthew 5, 6, and 7. But he does not refer to God as God. He refers to him as Father. And it's the first time that God had ever been referred to in an affectionate way as Father. It's an affectionate term. It's a term of endearment. It's a term that communicates personal intimacy with someone. This is my Father. This is my Father. And here's what he says in Matthew chapter 6. He says, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father in, who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly, in one verse, version says. But when he says father, it communicates something different. He goes on to tell us in Matthew chapter, chapter 6, verse 9. He says, when we pray, we don't go and say, God Almighty. He says, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father. Our Father, who art in heaven. Hallowed be your name. We honor your name. We glorify your name. We exalt your name. We praise your name. You are worthy of our praise. We honor you, Father. We honor you, Father. He says, when you pray, Father. There's this intimacy that Jesus brings into the scenario. We have an earthly father and we have a heavenly father. And here's the thing about it for us fathers. God's design was that we would operate as a team. That we would operate as a team with our, with our father, with our heavenly father. And that our heavenly father will lay the way for us as earthly fathers to follow. A way for us to model ourselves after him. Listen to him. Follow him. Show our families the way to follow him. He wants us to partner with him. We've been reading this verse a lot this year. But I want you to get it deep inside of your heart. Because this verse is a really, really important verse of scripture. And when God restores something and he renews something, he restores it back to its original design. And here is the original design that God laid out for us. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 and 28. We know it. You're going, to be able to, you're going to be able to quote this verse before it's over. So God created man in his own image, and in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. In other words, God created Adam and Eve, and the first thing that he said to them is, Be fruitful and multiply. Go have kids. 
He said, go have kids. And here's one of the things that is so under attack in our world today, in our society today. This thing called family is under an absolute assault of the enemy. He's trying to destroy mankind from the inside out. And the way he's going to destroy mankind from the inside out is to destroy the unit called family. Family is not just this nice, comfortable way of living life. It's God's design for all mankind to experience it. Both to grow up in it and then to reproduce it. It is under attack. We're seeing people wait later and later in life to get married. People are afraid of marriage. They don't want to get married because of all the divorce and all the heartache that they see all around. Maybe they are, maybe they are the product of that environment, that home. And they're going, I know how that made me feel. And here's what we know. They never get over that. They move on and have a successful life. But man, that ache is always there. And here's the thing. So people go, I don't want that. So we wait to get married. And then there's a lot of young couples that are getting married today. They're saying, we're not going to have kids. We don't want to have kids. We don't want to bring children into this world. We don't want to shortchange our careers. So we've stopped. We see marriage and family under attack like never before where it's trying to be redefined by man. Man does not define marriage. God defined a marriage. And he was not confused when he defined it. Nor is he confused today. There is not a human being alive that doesn't have a mother and a father. Not one. Why? Because it's impossible to reproduce without a mother and a father. It's impossible. God made it that way. And he told Adam and Eve, he said, go reproduce, go have kids, go subdue the earth. Enjoy this world that I created for you. We're seeing it all over our society. We're the most imprisoned society in the, in the world. America is. When you go in there and you see all the things, and there's lots of hurt and brokenness in there. But there is one common thread. And it has to do with fathers. You will see broken relationships with fathers. All through our prison system. The enemy is after us. And one of the things that he wants to do is say, how can you honor that? How can you honor the brokenness in our society and why would God bring people together and then break up and hurt families and why would people wait longer now to get married? Why would we say we're not going to have children? I think this breaks God's heart. He loves kids. He has a lot to say about children actually. Jesus had a lot to say about children. But why about, why? Can we tell you why I think it's under such great attack? Because fathers are image bearers to their children. Fathers are image bearers to their children. They are formed and fashioned in the image of God. In his likeness, he created every man, woman, and child. And when our children are growing up, they're looking to fathers and they're looking to their mothers. They're looking to people to say, who is the image bearer? What do I do? How do I live? And they're looking to their fathers and their mothers to, to, to show them the way. God created fathers so that he would have an image bearer before every child on the face of the earth. Why? Because every child has a father. The number one role of a father is to lead his children into an understanding of who God is. Here is the, here's the most fascinating thing to me is that God linked himself to man. 
And he said, let's operate as a team. Let's do this together. I created you in my image. I am with you. I will show you the way. Let's do this together. Let's reflect my image together. I'm going to use you. I'm going to use your spouse. I'm going to, I'm going to reflect my image through the making of the family or through the makeup of the family. The first thing we must remember is that we have two fathers. Secondly, we also need to remember that our concept of our heavenly father is derived from our experience with our earthly father. In other words, we naturally attribute to God what our fathers do right, and we naturally attribute to God what our fathers do wrong. And so wherever your father has fallen short, let's just say your father abandoned your family. It's hard for you to trust God in a way that does, he'll abandon me. Wherever your father falls short, you have a hard time trusting God in those areas. There are five things that fathers do. They protect. They provide. They provide nurture and affection. They train and guide. And they impart identity to their children. So you've heard me say this before, but I had an amazing father. He was an amazing man. He was one of the most affectionate men I've ever been around. He was always touching you. He would grab your shoulder. He would hug me. He would tell me all the time in front of all my friends. I'm a teenage boy, and he would walk up to me, and he would hug me. He would tell me in front of my friends, I love you, son. I love you. He was never afraid to show affection towards me or towards my brother. He was very affectionate, touching, hugging, nurturing to us. So you know what? That's not a thing that I struggle with God. I believe God is a very affectionate, loving, kind, nurturing God. I don't have troubles trusting God in that area. But one area that my dad was not the greatest at was, was provision. He wasn't a great provider. And can I tell you, it's one of my greatest struggles today. Not to provide, but to trust God for provision. I have been provided for in the most extravagant of ways. But I still struggle with it. You know what it causes in me? It causes me to work overwork. Causes me to push harder than I should push. Stay longer than I should stay. You know why? Not so I can have more stuff. I don't spend money. I don't buy stuff. I'm not into into the cars and the boats and the, and the motorcycles and all the stuff that men get into. I'm not into that. I don't play golf. It's too expensive. And I got to get saved on the other end of the game. I'm like, I don't, I don't want to play golf. But you know why? I want to provide for my family. So I work harder than I should sometimes. Stay longer, push harder. Why? Because I want to provide for my family. It's one of my greatest joys as a dad is to provide for my family. My dad would also do a good job of training. I remember in the mid-80s, there was a thing that happened here in the state of Georgia it happened all across the south and farmlands all over the all over the farmlands in the US where the government cut funding for farmers we had a friend who had a peanut farm in south georgia and they lost their farm so they moved up to closer to atlanta so they could work and they had horses and they had all kinds of things to help take care of but Horses and livestock are expensive to care for. And so we had property, and my dad is one of the most generous people. This is one of the things he taught me. He was loving and kind and affectionate. He was generous. And so he told our friends, hey, you can, you can bring your horses, and you can keep them at our place, and we'll help you take care of them, and so on and so forth. And horse feed is expensive, and we were feeding their horses for them, like not just doing the act of feeding them, but buying the feed for them. Helping this family to try to get back up on their feet. And one day, the son, who was my friend, 
was hanging out at our house and came time to feed the horses. So I literally went in the barn and I poured up the feed in the bucket for his horse. And I walked over to him and I set the bucket down. I said, hey, can you go feed your horse? And he goes, you can do it. I went, "Um, what? You can do it. I was so mad. I'm like, we don't have a lot. But what we have, we're sharing. And you won't even have the decency to pick up the bucket and walk it over there and pour it out for your horse. You won't do it for yourself. I was so mad. I mean, I was lividly mad. And I went in the house and I said, I'm turning those horses out in the road. My dad said, what? Why? What are you talking about? I said, I went out there and I tried to feed the horses. And I told him to, here, just take the bucket and pour it over the, into the other bucket for your horse. And he said, you can do it. I said, we're, pay- we're paying for their feed. We're keeping their horses. It's a sacrifice for our family to help this family. And he didn't even have the decency to feed his own horses. I was angry. I would have had no problems turning those horses out in the street. My dad said, we're not doing that. I said, why? They're ungrateful. He said, their response is not our responsibility. Our responsibility is to help them in time of need. And we're going to do that. Taught me something. He guided me. Never forget it. I remember another time I was competing in rodeos. Y'all can't imagine me as a cowboy, but I was. I was a calf roper, and I competed in calf roping and team roping. And if you don't know what that is, it's all right. But anyway, when I was about 15 years old, I competed against grown men who had been roping calves as long as I was old. And I was beating them. I I was a contender every single time. And these men would just talk so much smack to me when I'm riding in and about to go rope my calf or whatever. And they would talk all kinds of smack to me, and I'd give it right back to them. And I remember one day I was going in, and I was about to, it was my turn to rope. And, and this was competitive, so we're, we're competing for money. And we're riding, I'm riding in, and some guy popped off some stupid comment to me, and I just gave it right back to him. Told him something about... Um, You'll think more about that while I'm counting your money at the end of this run. And I did. I actually went out there and I beat them. I won that competition. And when I was riding out of the pen, they kind of made a few little comments and I gave it right back to them. I told them how great I was, how sorry they were. A bunch of old men, you're getting slow. I rode to the horse back to my trailer and my dad was walked right behind me. And when I got to the trailer, he made a comment to me, and I'll never forget it. He said, son, if you talk with your rope, you'll never have to use your mouth. Shut your mouth and let your rope talk. Everybody will listen. I said, yes, sir. (laughs) He had the look, like, taught me humility, generosity, humility. One of the things that I said earlier is provision is an important thing for me. And One night, Sherry and I were out on a date. We were driving to our date. And all of a sudden, one of my kids' name pops up on our little screen in the car. and We answered it. I don't remember if it was Drew or Lindsay, but They're like, hey, they're like, hey, what y'all doing? We're on a date. Awesome. We're on a date too. We're on a sibling date. I was like, oh, that's awesome. I said, hey, we were kind of wondering, would you like to sponsor the date? We laughed, and of course we said yes. After I asked the question, where are you? Before I answer this, where are you eating? 
But you know what? My kids, if they need something like practical needs, food or medicine or things like that, they call their mom. But when they have other things that they need or want that are bigger ticket items, they'll say, hey, is dad there? You know why? Because they know I will say yes. And every time I say yes, Lindsay goes like this. She goes, I got you right here, Dad. You know what I say back to her? Yes, you do. Yes, you do. You always will. Here's what I love. Some people say, you're spoiling your kids. Nah, my kids aren't spoiling. You know why? Because while we do all that in, in a fun way, they never take advantage of my heart. They have never one time taken advantage of my heart, even though they know I will probably say yes. Why? Because that's not in their heart. We, ha- we serve the most generous kind faithful father for some of you you don't know what that's like and I'm so sorry you didn't experience any of that but today God wants you to experience it and is he going to fix all of the pain Maybe. But maybe not. But he will teach you how to honor your father. Both your earthly father and your heavenly father are both important. So even in the midst of this, how do we honor? First thing we do is we remember what our fathers did well and we thank them for it. My father didn't do anything well. That may be true. But you know what he did do? He gave you life. The greatest gift he could ever be given. He gave you a chance to live on this earth. Whether you meant to or not, it's irrelevant. God the Father, our Father, meant for you to have life. So thank him for it. Extend grace to him in the areas of his shortcomings and offer forgiveness to him. Can I tell you something? Your dads know where they've fallen short. And it hurts their heart, whether they're ever able to express it or not. And when you are able to extend grace, which is unmerited, unwarranted, undeserved favor, It's like rain on a hard heart. And it softens, 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 softens. Express how much you love him and why you love him. And then share one thing you hope to see grow in your relationship with him. Our dads may have handed us some baggage. Most likely they did. But they were also handed baggage too, I would guarantee you. So let's be gracious to them. We stand in here today. Fathers, would you just put your hands out like this? I want to pray for us. Father, thank you. Thank you, God, that you are a very, very, very good Heavenly Father. That in you, God, there is no shortcomings. 
You never abandon. You never wound. You never hurt. You're gracious and kind and loving. You are strong and firm. Today, God, I ask you for these men in here that are fathers. Give us the grace to be good image bearers. Give us the strength, the willingness, the heart to reflect to our children and to our spouses and to this world what it means to be a son of God. That our security, our rest, our hope, our trust would be in you. God, forgive us for every shortcoming, for every place we've failed, for every place we've hurt those closest to us, the ones we love with all of our heart. God, would you heal those wounds? Would you remove the thorns of shame from our heart? Lord, today, make us a people that honor, that know how to honor our fathers and our mothers so that we can truly fulfill this command, but so that we can minister to the heart of our parents, the ones that are in front of us, our mothers and our fathers. And in doing so, God, we know we honor you. You are worthy of our praise. You are worthy of our affection. You are worthy of our adoration and our honor today, God. We give it all to you. I pray you bless each one of these men today on this Father's Day. That they would truly hear from you, our Heavenly Father. This is my Son, in whom I am well pleased. We thank you for it, God, in Jesus' name.